Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the honorable mayor of Manchester, Ted Gatson. Toronto Arch time is 24 minutes after the hour, and we're pleased to be in studio with Manchester Mayor Ted Gatsis. We're coming up on the end of September, which for many of you means the uh, near end of the planting season. Now more than ever is the is a good time to get to Jacques Flower Shop and help them clear out what's left of their garden center. Now, I can tell you that I'm not really talented when it comes to a lot of things, but one thing I'm really good at is is making plants green and grow. I have a green thumb. I don't know why. I'm just good at it. And I will tell you as someone who's planted many things that this is the perfect time of year to plant almost anything. A tree, a shrub, you name it, anything. Why? Getting it getting it into the ground before it goes dormant means that when it wakes up in the spring, it will take root quick and it will do a whole lot better than you'd ever expect. So, Come help Jacques clear out their year-end inventory and get your yard uh, ready for spring now. 712 Mass Road in scenic Penardville, beneath our super-secret broadcast location, on the phone at 625-5155 and online at jacquesflowers.com. Your Honor, good morning. Richard, good morning. How Happy birthday. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. 48. I'm almost old enough to be one of your kids. Um. Well, you might have a different attitude if you were one of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know you don't have any, but I you know. So what are you, 67? I'm 67. 67. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah almost. You, could, you could be. <laughs> precocious. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So uh, good morning, Your Honor. Good morning. And thank you for the birthday greetings. I um, We might as well start where, where I left off. Your Honor, are you- Talking about the Bourne Learning Trail that is at Sweeney Park that was put in by- The Bourne Learning Trail? Yeah, that was put in by uh, the United Way and the Coswell Benevolent Trust and Parks and Rec at Sweeney, po- Sweeney Park. Great little uh, learning expedition for young kids. Mm-hmm. We were there, cut the ribbon this week. Or are you going to talk about the art jam that was on Bridge Street that happened over the weekend? Mm-hmm which is an incredible event. A lot of people down there, uh, you know, making sure that uh, we take care of the folks that need help. Well, there you go, because they raised money for the opioid epidemic, correct? They did. They did. Um, So uh, just a little bit more on this. For those of you who don't know, Sweeney Park is on the west side, basically between Granite and and Main Street. Uh, And what's on the other side there? Right, Right in front of St. Rayfield's Church. Yes, right in front. Right. And it's one of the places where uh, Sweeney Post goes to uh, honor veterans on uh, various days with a 21-gun salute named after, I think it's Joseph Sweeney, uh, who was uh, a Manchester boy who gave his all in service to his country. So what, is it, what did they do to the park here? Well, they, you know, they put some signs up. Uh, it's the Bourne Learning Trail. They talk about the ABCs and counting and different things on the trail. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it, it gives uh, the youngsters that are at Easter Seals a chance to come over, spend time in the park, uh, walk on the trail, and learn something educational. There you go. And uh, from a listener in Manchester, oh, my God, he looks good. No idea he was 67. 
All right, now. Thank you very much. Whoever that uh, listener and listener is. It's one of the many Lisas. We have a posse of Lisas. I don't know why. We've got like six different women named Lisa who follow the show, uh, or at least let us know they follow the show. It's one of our many Lisas, Your Honor, in Manchester. Well, thank you very much. There you go. Must be all that clean living. It's all the uh, <laughs> it's all the work that I'm doing out there, uh, making sure that uh, people's questions and problems are addressed. Right. Well, and I I, I, I do want to ask you a general question about ethics and government. You have these charter violation issues uh, over at the city solicitor's office or the, over the board of aldermen. Now you've got this uh, this admitted leak uh, on the board of school committee. Are, are you concerned that people? on uh, both boards now are just doing whatever they want, irrespective of the rules. And and what really uh, should citizens beyond voting the people who either commit those acts or protect them out of office? What can or should the city do uh, to tighten the ethical screws and make sure that stuff like this can't be done? And if it is, uh, can be uh, frankly punished. Well, you know, somebody could uh, work very hard and put something on the uh, ballot as a charter change. Uh, That certainly would affect it. Um, I think that that's, uh, that's probably the number one thing that can be done. So until that happens and, you know, there is a charter change, there's, you know, that we can continue talking about it, but uh, that doesn't get things done. Well, it, and it's, uh, it's a sticky wicket. Are, are you concerned about the ability of Dr. Vargas, the superintendent of the school, to do the job he's tasked to do if he can't walk into a non-public session? And trust that the, uh, the the contents of those discussions are going to re- remain within those four walls. Well, Richard, you know, I think that uh, Vice Chairman Beaudry uh, made it pretty clear that a few years ago, uh, I stopped going to the non-public sessions because every time we were in there talking about something, uh, the press would have it the very next day. So I stopped going. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, talking about individuals in non-public uh, and certainly with the superintendent coming to the full board if he has uh, some concerns, should be something that we keep um, within the board. Uh, I I don't think they should be shared. If we're non-public, if we want to talk about them, then let's get out into the public and talk about them. So uh, certainly the superintendent should have concerns because I'm sure he um, thinks twice now about what he might want to say to the board uh, before he goes into non-public. Uh, Those issues aside, Superintendent Vargas is coming up on the uh, anniversary of his hiring here. What uh, what strides have you seen the city make in uh, in its schools since Dr. Vargas took the helm? What what do you what do you think so far are his um, uh, biggest accomplishments? Well, certainly uh, it it looks like he has his hands around the classroom sizes. Um, People are very happy about that. It looks like he's keeping people accountable for things. Uh, you know, busing, special education is, is something that... Uh, Continues to be an issue. It, it is an issue, but it looks like he's uh, working hard to find solutions to that, uh, making parents uh, feel comfortable about their children and the special education uh, that we give them here in the city of Manchester. So I think that... Uh, and he's out talking to the community. And I, I don't have to tell you, Richard, the community, you know, sometimes weighs in. Yeah. And when it wants to, when it wants to weigh in... It has a pretty loud voice. He, he has made extraordinary outreach efforts to uh, the community at large, even to you know teachers within the system. I, I, I take a look at a, a couple of things, and I see the uh, the overhaul of the assessment system within the city, uh, establishing a uniform system from grades one through eight and across schools as a way of 
better uh, serving kids and better understanding what's happening in each building as, as a big deal. I know reduction in assessments has always been one of your goals. Uh, so what do you think of the of the recently approved changes by the board that were proposed by the superintendent and the working committee? Well, there's no question. Yeah. You know, here we are. You know, we assess kids. We used to assess kids in October. Right. You know, probably five weeks after they're back in school. And uh, every expert will tell you that during the summer there's that brain loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they forget things. So why would we assess kids in October and maybe not in April? That just makes sense. So I think that things that you're seeing within it, when it comes to assessments uh, is important to our students. Mm-hmm. It's important to our families. But certainly it's important to our teachers so that they know. I mean, every school in the city of Manchester is different. There's a different makeup of students. There's a different makeup of how you're going to educate these kids. It, it, it is totally different. You know, school districts across this state that have one elementary school, one junior high school and one high school, it's pretty simple. Everything's within the confines of that one building. Right. When you have as many buildings as we do and have as many kids in the system, it's a little different. So, uh, you know, I applaud them for trying to get everything uh, in control. You know, we still are talking about distance learning. You know, we asked the question, how many how many classes are over 30? How many classes are over 30? We should be asking how many. How many have, classes are under 15? How many, well, how many classes are under 10? There you go. You and those questions are under never 10. asked. <laughs> you have more classes under 10 by a long shot than you have classes over 30. So, you know, when, I, when we talk about how do we get there, I mean, you can never, ever attempt to do distance learning in our high schools until the schedules of all three, four of those high schools are the same. Yeah. Well, and to his credit, Dr. Vargas was the first person to, uh, from the administration anyway, to come forward and say, if you want to do distance learning, you have to run the same master schedule at the three high schools. He said it's that simple. You've been pointing to that for years by su- suggesting that the all of the high schools say run their AP classes at a certain time or they're this or that as a way of trying to say, how do you, how do, you do this if everybody's you know, running their own schedule the way they want to? You, you can't. So uh, that's an area. Are, do you, are you hopeful that his efforts to get a grant through the Barr Foundation, regardless of whether or not they get it, will will lead to a significant rethink of high school in general, first targeted at West High School, that will um, uh, give us uh, ways that we can take a look at Central and Memorial and sort of um, reinvent how high school works in this city? Well, you know, Richard, uh, it's always grants are always great because uh, you don't have to pay them back. <laughs> but then the fun runs out. Right. And you well, know, this would it, be a planning grant, so it wouldn't be an operational one. Well, I understand, but but sometimes planning is putting people in positions to do the planning. Mm-hmm. And if the grant runs out, then those people go away, or mm-hmm. supposedly. Mm-hmm. So I think it all comes down to, yes, I would hope that I would never look for Manchester not to get funding. Mm-hmm. I would always hope that we would get whatever grants we can get to, to put whatever procedures in place that we can. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to make sure that we understand whatever procedures we put in place, that uh, that the general fund has to make sure it can pick it up going into the yeah, future. If there, are any, if there are any legacy costs Correct. of the grant. Yeah, obviously, you got to keep that in mind. Uh, you know, there seems to be a bit, I will call it, of a, of a manufactured controversy over the math curriculum. And I have been a critic of our what we're doing particularly in the elementary schools, to teach math. It's been an ongoing subject, you know, uh, Your Honor, at the Curriculum and Instruction Committee since at least this past April. 
Um, but the recent newspaper articles, I think, have mischaracterized the situation the district is in as one of lack of funding and resources and not one of decisions recommended by Dr. Livingston and her administration to move away from a, a uh, uh, an academic-based curriculum in math to what they call a standards-based curriculum in math, where standards were set, resources were recommended, and teachers were allowed to go and uh, use whatever resources they wanted to to teach the way they say they wanted to to meet the standards. Um, what what do you say about the situation? Well, you know, Richard, I think I was pretty clear. We spent uh, over sixty seven thousand dollars in workbooks uh, at last the elementary year. school level. At last year in the elementary school level, uh, who better than teachers to know how to teach their children? Uh, they know who's in their class. They know the abilities, if not if not from talking to the teachers from the year before, mm-hmm. but certainly understanding the students that they have in their class. So who better to make those decisions than the teacher in the classroom? You know, we can sit there and say, yeah, we're going to make rules going forward, and this is what we expect, and the teacher in the classroom could say, you know, I, it's not something I can do. I have a very diverse class uh, we've got to try and make some adjustments to make sure we get everybody educated and everybody uh, included in the discussion. Now, I, I don't recall, I wasn't on the board at the time, but in, in as much as I was a pretty close observer, I don't recall in the presentation that the administration made about moving to you know, this standards-based curriculum that they said they were going to take the, the textbooks that the district had for elementary math and basically pull them from the classroom and do God knows what with them. Um, did uh, Do you recall at any time whether or not the administration right. said to the board, to you individually, or anybody else that uh, once the new standards were adopted in Manchester that they were going to toss the textbooks from the prior curriculum? Richard, I wish I could tell you that I could remember that. I don't remember it. Not to say that it couldn't have happened, um, but I can't tell you that it, uh, every single thing that happens in the school district and every single thing that happens in the city uh, is something that I can come back and recount uh, some five well, it, or six just, years later. That, that that would be a pretty major uh, change in how the district did business. I would like to think that if something like that were going to happen, the administration would be very upfront and say, if you adopt this, which we're now proposing, we are going to take this away and not uh, use it anymore um, and, and deprive the teachers of that resource in favor of the ones that we've just uh, posted on the website. Again, I would I would look uh, to the people that sat on curriculum uh, and and board members that have been there for a while. Yeah, I think that, I think uh, uh, Connors was chairman when that all went through of curriculum. So I can't. T- I mean, she's probably the person asked the question. Uh, well, maybe we'll float it and see if we get an answer. All right, we're going to take a break for traffic, weather, and sports. When we come back, we'll continue with Manchester Mayor Ted Gatzis. Stay with us. 